The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. So tomorrow evening, there's going to be millions and millions of fans all around our nation gathering in front of their television for one reason and one reason only, to see how Jack dies on This Is Us after the Super Bowl. I don't know about you guys, that's the only reason why I'm going to watch the Super Bowl is to watch This Is Us afterwards. But for those that are watching the Super Bowl, happy Super Bowl weekend. You guys are probably getting your food prepped and your friends list all situated. Who here, show of hands, is actually rooting for the Eagles to win the Super Bowl? Yeah, there's, that's like 30 more than last year because they didn't make it last year or the year before that. Or the year before that. But you know what? There is a team that made it last year, and it's the New England Patriots. How many of you guys are rooting for the New England Patriots? That's like only three people here. For you guys that don't know, New England actually plays in the United States of America. And many of us are probably rooting for the Eagles because we don't like the Patriots. All right, last question. How many of you guys are just going to go over to someone's house and eat their food because you don't care about the game? That's kind of where I'm at. I'm just saying, I'm all about, as soon as that thing is done, I'm watching This Is Us, and I'm going to have some conversation and watch more commercials. That's, that's where I'm at. But no matter where you stand with this game, it's, it's pretty incredible, the storyline with the Super Bowl. The Eagles starting quarterback, Carson Wentz, has an all-pro year, and he's one of the MVP candidates, and he goes down at the end of the season with a torn ACL, and now they got to go into the, the playoffs with, with their backup, their second string, Nick Foles, and you would think that the locker room for the Eagles is just completely deflated, pun intended. <laughs> And so they're, they're, they're going in there, and you would think that all hope is gone, but in just a weird turn of events, the, the Philadelphia Eagles, led by their, their team captain, Nick Foles, is going to be playing on the biggest stage of his entire life, trying to make history for the Eagles organization by winning their first ever Super Bowl. But they would have to go through New England and Tom Brady. And he's also trying to etch his name into the record books by being the greatest quarterback of all time, winning six Super Bowl titles. And think to yourself... As soon as the Super Bowl is over and uh, all the celebration kind of wears out, you look at your situation and nothing's changed. You look at your life and nothing's changed. You look at the life of those around you and everything is still the same. And it makes me ask the question, can a 60-minute game actually make a difference? Here, I'll prove it. Show of hands, without using Google, how many remember who won the Super Bowl 50 years ago? What about 40 years ago? 30 years ago? That one I actually do remember because that was the Redskins' very first Super Bowl. That was probably the first time they actually won anything in their entire organization, probably the last time they won anything in their entire organization. But when you think about these men, they, they literally lived their entire lives for that one moment where they can etch their name in NFL history and, and, and they can say that my career actually made a difference. My career actually mattered, and we're crowned champions, victorious. You and I, we are no different. We live our entire lives for that one moment where we experience satisfaction, where we finally achieve this American dream, where we finally achieve this purpose 
in our life, but what if in the process of trying to make the record books, we end up writing in the wrong books? How do you know that what you're doing is actually making a difference? What, what if I told you that significance starts when the clock stops? What if I told you that the real game actually goes beyond the ball? You see, too often we live our lives much like a 60-minute game. We want instant satisfaction, instant gratification. We run away from risk, run towards reward. We run away from cause, run towards comfort. We run away from purpose, and we run towards pleasure. And why do we do that? We, we, we end up settling, forfeiting what we can get out of the now rather than what we can give to the what and the who will come next. And we settle for instant gratification of today, and it becomes the tyrant of the unknown great tomorrow. You see, it's because we live short-sighted and small-minded too often times where we say, I'll just do whatever I want and whatever I so please. It doesn't matter who it affects and what generation it actually affects. And at the end of it, we leave very little behind and we make very little difference. It's like the purpose of our lives, right? It's just to arrive safely at death. I just got to survive until I die because let's face it, life is just short, you see it in our economy too often when we spend our children's tax dollars and we continue to kick the can of debt further and further down the road, all leaving a massive debt for a future generation to have to pay for a decision that they've never made. You see it in our environments, you see it in our politics, you see it in, in our homes, in our schools, and in our city. The question, is what problems are we creating right now that we're leaving unresolved for a future generation to have to face one day? What are we doing right now that will last and outlast us? What, what are we doing that's actually worth doing? So in the book of Genesis, we're, we're introduced to a man named Abraham. Abraham was a pagan worshiper. He worshiped the, the stars and the moon. He worshiped other gods, and then all of a sudden God calls Abraham to move away from his homeland, away from everything that he knows and loves, to go be a nomad, a wanderer, to this promised land. And as he's wandering, God promises him a son. He said, this son's going to be a father to a great nation. Only catch is your wife of 89 years old is childless. And you're looking at this picture and you're wondering, how in the world could this man actually be living for something? How, how is he living a life that, that has meaning, that has matter? I mean, he's wandering aimlessly trying to find this promised land and trying to attain this promised child. But his wife is 89 and childless and he is a nomad going nowhere in life. But yet something occurred Genesis 18, this is what happened. It says, The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great tree of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. And Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. And when he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. And he said, If I have found favor, turn to someone next to you and say, Favor. If I found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you will wash your feet and rest under this tree, and let me get you something to eat. 
so you can be refreshed and then go on your way. Now that you have come to your servant, very well they answered do as you say, Abraham wasn't doing anything significant. He wasn't doing anything that was making a difference. He wasn't doing anything that actually mattered. He was sitting outside on a hot day, outside, outside of his tent. And, and you may be in a situation right now. Maybe perhaps you find yourself just sitting, sitting, staring at your cubicle, staring at that computer screen, and you're saying to yourself, it is just another mundane Monday. Or maybe you find yourself that 45-minute commute to work, bumper-to-bumper traffic, and you're saying it's just another terrible Tuesday, or, or you got kids yelling in one ear, and you got your boss yelling in another ear, and then you got this thing that's going on, this neighborhood, this thing that's going on in school, and this thing that's going on in your home life, and you're, you're wondering to yourself, looking at your life, why am I here, kind of Wednesday, and you're seeing yourself just sitting and insignificance. And so there's just another mundane moment for Abraham. And all of a sudden, that's what the Bible said. The God appeared. And then Abraham saw these three men. So he hurries and rushes and said, if I found favor in your eyes, I don't want to miss this moment. So let me get you some water. Stay a while. I want to get you some food also. He went from sitting to significance because God showed up. You may be sitting right now on some insignificance, but can I tell you when God shows up, he tends to shift some things in your life. Abraham all of a sudden received purpose. There was meaning in what he was doing. There was worth in his work. Abraham said he bowed low to the ground and he had this heart of humility. He said, let me, let me get you some food. Let me get you some water. And he had a heart of service. If you and I are ever going to do anything that matters in our life, it starts with a matter of our heart. This, morning, this evening, let me ask you this, what is the matter with you? And so Abraham, in the next verse, he, he goes and runs to his wife, Sarah, and he says this, quick, he said, get three seas of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind him. Abraham moved with this immediacy, with this urgency, because he had purpose. Saw his wife just standing by and said, look, look, Sarah, I need you to hurry because you've got purpose, because your life has value and your work has worth and not knowing that this purpose was going to lead to this promise. And so Sarah overhears the promise of God, but too often the promises of God sounds a lot like a problem to us. And this is how she kind of responds to the promise after overhearing it. it said, so Sarah in verse 12 laughed to herself and she thought after I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure Is anything too hard for the Lord? Verse 14 says, I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and your wife Sarah will have a son. Can I just tell you tonight, sometimes the favor of God doesn't always line up with the facts of life. Sometimes it seems like the favor of God looks like God is just making fun of us. And it seemed funny to Sarah because she had to laugh within herself and said, am I now really going to experience the pleasure of your promise, God? She started seeing her life with these limitations because I'm worn out, God. 
I barely have enough for myself, let alone leave anything behind. And I love what God says in response to her response. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? I'm here to tell you, is there anything too hard for the Lord in your situation, in your marriage, in your relationships? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? And and so she gets her promised child a year later, but that's not where the story concludes. That's not where this moment ends. So these men get up after eating and resting. Abraham is showing them on their way and says, when the men got up to leave, they looked down towards Sodom and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. Then the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all the nations on earth will be blessed through him. And God saw Abraham as as a friend, that he would share this intimate plan with him. It was a tragic plan for the city of Sodom. Sodom and Gomorrah had had risen up in wickedness and sin, and they started living for themselves, living for their own moment and their own desires, led them to a place of destruction and ruin. But you would would think, how in the world would, would that guy have that kind of access with God. He was a, a nomad nobody going nowhere in life. And why would God share his plans with him and show his promise to him? He was just a man sitting outside on another mundane moment, and all of a sudden he's got purpose. How did he get that kind of access? How do we attain that kind of access? How do we experience a miracle in what seems to be mundane? If you have something to write with, I want to encourage you to take some notes. If you guys are tuning in online, type this in the comment section or in the notes section. But if you're here today, there's a place in your program to take notes. If you guys haven't already downloaded the app, go ahead and do that. That's a shameless plug. Lifehouse Church MD on the App Store and Google Play as well. Put this down because here's the principle that I believe we need to apply in our lives today. And it's this, that we must discover the favor of God. I believe that's every single one of our desires is that we live a life of purpose. We live a life of meaning. We live a life that actually matters. But if we want to do something that matters, it starts with a matter of our heart. And that life is impossible to attain. Why? Because we continue to self-medicate the futility of our life and the finality of our death with this elusive happiness, right? And we run away from risk and run towards instant reward and we run away from, from anything that seems challenging or hard and we look at our life much like the way Sarah looked at her life with limitations. I'm worn out too. I've got this thing going on with me. I got this thing going on with me. I don't have enough even for the next person. And so I'm just going to hoard it to myself. You see, the matter of all of our hearts is due to a nature that every single one of us was born with. This nature is a nature that says, I want to live for today. I want to live for right now. I want to get all I can get right now. Don't worry about how it affects someone else later on. Instant gratification, instant satisfaction, not knowing that those desires actually lead us in a place of destruction, much like the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. And this nature is called sin. Since so any action, any thought, any intention that goes contrary to who God is, and it destroys us inwardly where our minds and our emotions think that, hey, I I got limits. I want to hold everything to myself. It is all about me 
And that me mentality ends up destroying outwardly our relationships, our marriages, our friendships. It messes up our workplaces. It messes up our city. It messes up our home. And then it, it does a greater damage. It destroys us spiritually. It, it creates a wedge between us and God. His favor forever. And this sin demands a payment, a payment that you and I are unable to pay. It's a forever death. And so God sees us in, in our own destruction, sees us in our limited state, seeing us living meaningless life, purposeless living, and he, see, he sees us just selling for the mundane mediocrity. And he loves us. He knew that there was no way that we could discover and find the favor of God because there's a scale of sin that covers our hearts and our minds. And so what he does is he sends favor to find us in the form of his son, Jesus. And so Jesus, what he does is he comes to this place, this earth, to bring us back in right relationship with God where favor is on a search mission to find you and I. And Jesus went to the cross with the sole purpose of, I will take your purposelessness. I will take your meaninglessness. I will take your mundane. I will take your mediocrity. I will take your sin. I will take your punishment. I will take your guilt and your shame. And on his life, we heaped all of those things. And he defeated death once and for all with his death. And so that those that would believe in Jesus by faith would be forgiven. You would think, oh man, my slate is like completely clean. But Jesus didn't just come so that you can have a better life because we'll find a way to, to mess it all up. So Jesus, through the power of his resurrection, defeats sin, death, and hell. That means he defeated purposelessness. He defeated meaninglessness so that you and I, we can attain that kind of victory as well. Through the power of his resurrection, he gives us new life. So his spirit moves into our spirit. The me mentality moves out. And that it's not about me mentality moves in. And through faith, God invites us not to leave a legacy. I don't want you guys to leave a legacy, but rather live a legacy that is worth leaving behind right now. I want to ask you a question. What are you, what are you planting right now that's gonna outlast you? What is that minuscule seed that has yet to be released out of your life because it's held tightly through the hardships and the hardness of your heart towards difficulties, towards risk, towards challenges? If you wanna do something that matters, it starts with the matter of your heart. And, and so right now I wanna share with you Nick Foles. He's the quarterback of, of the Eagles. His testimony from World Serve International. Check this out. I grew up in a Christian household. My mom um, is a really strong believer. Um, so I, I knew Bible verses growing up. I went to church, but I knew who Jesus was, but I hadn't given my life to him. I sort of lived my faith through my mother's faith, but I didn't realize that till later. My senior year of high school, let's go back to that. I tore my, my throwing shoulder, three-fourths of the way around labrum tear. Couldn't play my senior year of basketball. That was one of my favorite sports, and I was excited for my senior year. Had to sit out and recover from shoulder surgery. I was in summer training, summer workouts, and my arm was about 40%. And you report to a college football team that's a good football team, and you're, you're throwing shoulders 40%, and you're trying to throw, and 
it's not fun. Well, the first month of school, both my grandmothers passed away. Um, a lot of different things were going on. And I remember I was sitting in my, my truck and I just started crying. And I just started praying. And I was like, God, I, I don't have any strength. I don't have any confidence. I have no guidance. I really am gonna, I trust you. I trust you with all my heart. I, I'm giving you everything I have. I believe in your son. I believe in Jesus Christ. And I pray that you do your will with me. Um, and really at that moment, I look at that moment in my life and that's when I gave my life to Christ. And that's when, you know, everyone thinks like you become a Christian, everything's good. Hey, there was a ton of struggles from then on out, but I always had Christ. I always had the gospel. I always had my brothers and sisters in Christ to lean on and teach me. And wherever I went, God had, God always placed someone there for me to help me grow. And I look back and I'm so grateful for that because now I'm 28 years old and I get to be that person for someone, to be for a rookie coming into the locker room. Uh, for my wife, I'm married and I, I'm leading my household and my wife is also a believer. We just had our first child and daughter, um, Lily, five weeks ago and um, I get to lead her and she gets to make that decision someday. And I just look back to that moment I gave my life to Christ and everything changed for me. Mm. Man, we're look, I'm by no means rooting for the Eagles, all right? But I just, I love Nick's story because I think it brings everything into perspective, you know? He's about to play on the biggest stage of his entire life. And some would say that he would discover the favor of God. Pastor Jay, if, if he was to win the Super Bowl, that's when he would discover the favor of God. And I would beg to differ, I believe that win, lose, or draw, Nick already discovered the favor of God, and it's not in him raising up the Lombardi trophy, but rather it was him in that moment, on a mundane moment, in his truck, injured, far away from home, said goodbye to his loved ones, experiencing the loss of two of his loved ones. And in that moment when he cried out to God and placed his faith in Jesus, that was that moment when favor ended up finding him. Let me, let me ask you this. Where's your proverbial truck right now that you feel like you're sitting in? There's no way I could see favor. There's no way I could discover the favor of God in this situation. Are you serious? Have you, have you seen my, my doctor's report? There's no way I could discover the favor of God. Have you seen my marriage? Have you seen my relationships? Do you see what I have to live with and live through? I can say this with the utmost confidence that through faith there, there is still favor to be found even when it seems like it's right in front of your failure. And it seems like I know that the situation is trying to bury you, but through faith that situation is not gonna bury you. It's actually planting you because your life becomes the seed through faith and the situations that you feel like is just overcoming you and on top of you, they're there for a purpose. And its purpose is to bring you purpose by using it as fertilizer so that the fruit of God's favor can grow and overflow out of your life. So what's true for Nick and what was true for Abraham is this, is that the favor of God is not just for you. It's for those that follow you as well. And I want to give you two complimentary thoughts real quick. And the first is this, to how we can experience the favor of God and experience purpose in our day-to-day -day life is this. To discover the favor of God, we have to do God's will. Simple as that. 
This is what it says, for I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised. And you may wonder to yourself, why would God choose this nomad out of all the people? He says it right there. I chose him so that his children and his children's children and his children's children's children would live right and just, and he could have allowed his past to limit him. God, I didn't live my life all the way right and just. He could have allowed his age to limit him and, and said, hey, God, I'm really old. I ain't got time to be running around chasing these boys. I don't have time to be changing no diapers. He could have allowed his experiences to, to limit him. I don't even know how to raise kids, let alone the son who's a promised child of God, but he didn't. He, he ended up living a life worth leaving behind, left a legacy of obeying the will of God. When it comes to the will of God, you and I, we have two options, either obedience or disobedience. I can assure you both of them will grow fruit. Which one are you choosing to plant? See, God's will is his desire, and look throughout history. His desires always prevail, and that those that follow God and follow his will, they live and leave a legacy of value, of worth, of goodness, prayer, service, and generosity, all those things are our seed that you and I can plant right now. We may not see it grow, but I can assure you this and this one thing alone, it's going to bear much fruit for generations to come. Like the thing that you and I will be most remembered for at the end of our life is simply this, that there's going to be people that look at our life and there's things that we're, we're going to do in our life and we're going to be known for one thing, not for what we did, but rather how well we, we passed on what we did so that the next generation can actually do it better. That's it. Our purpose and our mission in life is not to write down a set of how-tos and say, hey, good luck, buddy. Hopefully you don't screw this one up. Hopefully you don't mess your life up with, with this one. No, it's an invitation that we're sending out to the next generation saying, hey, once you come follow me, let's discover the overflowing favor of God through obedience in his will. Lastly is this, to discover the favor of God, we must follow his will, his way. Follow God's will, God's way. So the men turned away and went towards Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord then Abraham approached them and said, will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people in it? God's way is faith. All faith is, is risk with God involved. That's it. And if we desire to discover the favor of God, we have to be willing to exercise some faith. And most of the times, we exercise this faith in some of the most challenging, some of the most disheartening situations, and some of the most risky scenarios. And if we say, God, I want to discover your, 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 your favor, his way sometimes leads us in a place where it's questionable. But we have to trust that he's going to use the hardships, that he's going to use that coworker, that he's gonna use that job, that he's gonna use that child, that he's gonna use that neighborhood, that he's gonna use that home life of yours to grow something greater, 
a greater legacy work in and through your life in in Genesis all throughout that passage of scripture that we just read God shares this plan with Abraham that he's going to eradicate this entire city because of their 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 desires and and their destructive patterns and it would have been easy for for Abraham to say go ahead God they're just all about themselves so long as it's not hurting me go ahead and wipe them out but he didn't he didn't because he knew that my nephew is still over there God that there's people on the other side of this 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 land right here that's going to get affected because I've got family over there and what about their family and their family's family and family's family so he starts to plead with God about sparing the city and God shows him patience and mercy he said I'll, I'll spare the city I'll spare the city on on the fact that if you find me 50 righteous I'll I'll spare the city and so Abraham starts to bargain what about 45 what about 40 what about 30 20 what about 10 he said if I can just find 10 then I'm gonna devote my life into sparing those individuals. If I can just find 10 people, he, he saw a cause, he saw a conviction that led him to this desperate state, but God knew that he was growing something in his heart because you wanna do something that matters, it starts with the matter of your heart. See, God cares just as much about the promise as he does about the process. He cares just as much about your cause as he does about your character, and God knew he was growing something. He was growing it his way that he would cultivate a heart for people. So he starts pleading for the city to God spare this city. And I believe that you and I, we have that same responsibility as well to jump into the gap and say, God, I want to, I want to be in the work that you're trying to do. I want to join in the legacy work that you have for my life and for the people that you have for me to reach. So when you look at the harvest today, the things around you right now today, don't think about what you can harvest today. Rather, think, think about what you can sow right now. Generosity, loving, sharing are all seeds that God has given you and I. And you may be thinking, well, he's got more seed than I do. Let him plant more. I'm just going to keep the seed to myself. Don't look at it as that you're losing seed. Look at it as you're investing it. I'm investing it in a future generation so someone else can reap the reward. Can I ask you today, what, what would it look like if you were to discover the favor of God in your life for 2018? What would it look like if you went from sitting to significance because you just saw God show up? What would it look like for him just to show up in your marriage? Show up in your kid's life, show up in your school, show, show up at your workplace, show up in your boss's life. What would that look like? all across this room, would you just close your eyes with me? I'm going to ask you to do one thing. I want you to begin to envision what does that life look like? What, was, what would the favor of God look like? What would significance when God shows up look like? You have that picture? Think about it. I want you to plant that right now. I want you to begin to start planting that. Keep your eyes closed, because maybe today you're, you're looking, it's like, I really don't have anything to plant right now. Perhaps God is planting something in you first. So you can't discover the favor of God without placing your faith in Jesus. 
So maybe you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And today, favor is going to find you. Would you repent right now? Say, God, I turn away from, from my lifestyle, of me mentality, and I want to receive your forgiveness and your spirit. If that's you today and you're saying, I want favor to find me, I want to place my faith in Jesus, if you're tuning in online as well, would you just lift your hands real quick? Just lift your hands. Indicate right now, online, if that's you, here's what we want to do. I just want to pray for you. Father, I thank you right now that favor is finding people right now through faith in you. I thank you right now, God, that you are shifting people from sitting to significance in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that, God, that there's going to be purpose in people's living tonight, God. That, Lord, right now that you're giving people a matter because you're changing the matter of their hearts. That, God, today that we will experience the favor of God this year, the overflowing, overwhelming favor of God this year. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church, located in Hagerstown, Maryland. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.